Hello, and thank you for joining me on Underneath the Hat podcast, airing every Saturday on the Underneath the Hat YouTube page. This is your speaker, author, broadcaster of Underneath the Hat. I'm Cherie Simmons, and I'm so happy and grateful you are joining me for this episode of our series, Truth Hurts, where the guests share the good, the bad, and the ugly of dealing with that topic. So our first topic for the next couple of weeks will be Church Hurt, the First Lady. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to bring on our guest, Ms. Arlisa Johnson. Hey, Arlisa. Hey, Cherie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Doing well. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I was a little reluctant to do because you and I both know as being former first ladies, it's a small circle and it's hard to penetrate the group. A lot of them don't want to share what they've been through or what they're going through. So I want to thank you for taking the opportunity and time to share with the viewers today. Not a problem. All right. So before we jump into the good, the bad and the ugly, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Arlisa. Uh, I am an early childhood educator. I have been doing that for 22 years now. And I am the director of a facility out in Stager, Illinois. All right. So let's jump right on in. Now, I'll set the backstory of how we met. Um, so, Arlisa and I met because our ex-husbands were both ministers and then pastors. And actually, I we met at Union, right? We met actually at the Henderson's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was another one of the pastors. Um, so, with being first lady, you get to be around other first ladies. And I'm sure Arlisa will fill you in on why. <laughs> so we actually met at another pastor and his wife's house who were members of a church that we both went to at some point and so then our husbands started to become friends and you'll find out why in a minute I'm sure uh, and from there we became good friends and the rest is history so here we are now pretty much and ugly so I'll let you jump on in wherever you want to start. Well, all right. Well, I know last week you started with your bad and ended with your good. I'm going to start with my good because my good was just that. It was the good. You do get relationships. You get experiences. You get um, real life lessons in being a first lady or minister's wife. I have a double-edged sword because not only was I a minister's wife, pastor's wife, I was a PK. My dad was a preacher. My stepfather was a preacher. So I, I'm one of those people who didn't understand 
when people would state, oh, when I was in the world, because in my mind, I've been in church all my life. I fell out of heaven with two suitcases and a Louis Vuitton bag. And what is this of the world? Because we've been in church all our life. So I didn't know what of the world was because in my mind, there was no world. It was all church. So it was because of my relationship with my father that I was able to then be two. And your at time at that time, your husband. Um, the good that came out of it was the relationship that I have with you. Though we don't see each other as much as we used to, but I don't know if you know, and I would like to state it publicly, how you have motivated me and the type of influence you have on me. Oh, so the difference is, you are a better first lady than I was. So I couldn't understand Ooh, how you guys didn't make it. So if you couldn't make it, I know I couldn't have made it. Well, Chad, you know why we didn't. Yes. The same reason I didn't. But God, yeah. has, God has the last saying that because even in my present time, the love of my life now, he has a calling on his life. And Lord knows that I was running from everything saved in the male species. Yes. But the good, uh, my relationship with Christ has grown stronger. Mm. I discovered who I was as a woman. I discovered what I want and don't want in relationships. Mm. And I knew more or less at the end of my relationship that there was a God beforehand. So there's this thing my mother used to tell me about God whooping people. Yes. When the Lord whoops you, he will whoop you. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to put any names out there, but all those in my life who have caused some distress, trauma, wrongdoing, the Lord will whoop you. Yes. And circumstances are showing as we live on, that they are being whooped by the Lord, and it was a battle that I didn't have to fight. Yes, they so, are. Uh, when people look you in the eye across from the judge and tell you you'll never make it, hmm. you won't have this, you won't have that, you won't do this, you can't do that, I, I have no regrets, and I love to prove people wrong. So if you you are out there somehow. Anybody that knows me knows Sharia that knows me. And you see this, I made it. And it yes. wasn't because of you. It was because of me not being with you that I was able to make it. So I have made it. Yes. So that that's the good. Um I said how um the devil knows the value that we have. That's why he comes so hard at us. And yeah. in my situation, my ex-husband, he knew how precious I was and what I had inside of me, but I couldn't see it. And so I always wonder why did he try so hard to dim my light? And I realized it was because he knew that I could outshine him. And that's and what it was. And you did that from the very beginning. Yep. I, he did everything he could to manipulate and control me in order to prevent me from being who God wanted me to be. And as much as it hurt going through the divorce, and you know firsthand as much as I tried to make it work, God was like, no, I can't have you doing what I need you to do with this person. 
So he has a way, like you said, of whooping you. And sometimes we've all been the victim of getting a whooping we didn't feel we deserved, but it was necessary. And he whooped me real good. I call it TKO in my book, Underneath the Hat. Please go get it. It's very juicy, I promise. It is. Yes. And he gave me a couple of TKOs because I was adamant about making his work. And he was like, you don't see what I see? You got to trust me. And so we have both trusted him and stepped out on faith and allowed for him to move in our lives and look at us now. It's amazing how I look back at how we were as first ladies and how we are now totally different. Yes, I don't even know that person. The person that I am today is so happy, is so free that when I look back on pictures of, and I'm standing arm in arm with my ex-husband, and you would have thought I've been drugged there. I just, I was in a bitter place for many years, and I tell people when I reference my past to my present, I didn't even know I was bitter until I wasn't anymore. And I kept saying, there's somebody out here that's going to love me. There's somebody who's going to want me for me. There's going to be somebody that's going to get into my space and it won't be hard. It's going to be just what I need. And the old people always say, well, you know, a man that found that the wife found that the good thing, you're not supposed to look. They're absolutely right. I'm not going to find who God has for me because I'm not supposed to be looking. Exactly. And even though I wasn't looking for my husband at the time, it was a a means out of a situation for me. I was just way too young. Yeah. I was inexperienced and I have an aunt who uh would tell me, she said, You know, that man is too fast for you. And I say, How a man fast? How is he fast? Girl, you around the corner and he up the block. I say, What you mean? She said, No. He's too fast, and I didn't get that. But now mm-hmm. I do. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty once it's over. But I felt like I had everything I could have ever wanted. Any car I wanted to drive, any outfit, going shopping. Didn't look at price tags. I could just say I want this, 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 and this, and I could have it. I was getting my hair Yeah. I mean, just spending money for no reason. Just mm. going, making sure that I looked the part. Having a beautician come to my house every week, making sure that my hair was on point for Sundays, making sure that when I did go back to work, that I was off in enough time in case he was speaking somewhere. Um, everything stops in your household when it comes to the church. So yeah. late in the midnight hour when they're calling on the pastor, you got to wake up too because they're disturbing your sleep. Then you need to know what's wrong. Is there anything you can do? Then it may be a time where he needs you to go with him. And then you both go on in the middle of the night going to hospital visits and checking on members or members who don't have who are in need. Then you got to go. Your money is supporting the church. I was in a place where I did go back to work and the members were bringing so much change to church that we started putting it in a jug. We weren't even counting. So therefore I'm working and I'm supporting the church. Yeah. 
with my money and not just my ties. I'm taking more than my ties because I believe in his ministry so that I'm doing whatever I can to be that help me because in my mind, this is my husband, this is his ministry, this is what I'm supposed to do. So if the church needed cleaning, I needed to clean it. If the church didn't have bulletins, I had to make the bulletins. If phone calls needed to be made, I had to be the secretary. Then the one day, and I'll never forget this, the one day that I overslept, and I don't know why. I overslept, and we were supposed to go in and clean the church. Where's the pastor's wife? Girl, look. <laughs> They nailed me to the cross at that point. Well, you walk in with your fur coat on and we in here cleaning. I forgot. I just literally, I forgot. But I can't forget because I'm the first lady of the church. Exactly. And they forgot too because they forgot all those other times that you were in when they walked in. But exactly. the one time you slipped up as first lady, all eyes are on you. And for what? I don't preach. I'm collecting the offering. I'm praise team leader. I'm the usher. I'm the disciplinarian. You know, that's the ugly of it. Because mm -hmm. you, you have so many roles. Because you can't, it's nothing glamorous as people might think. Because if it was just sitting there looking cute, I can do that. Mm -hmm. But it was not... Glamorous. It, it was not a situation of wearing a big hat. Now you wore the hat. Chad, I can't get rid of you. Wore the hat. I still got all Do you know I have not worn a suit like that since my divorce? Me either. I don't want no part of it. I think the last suit that I wore like that, I got from you that purple suit that I wanted to wear. Yeah. That's the last time I put on a suit suit. Yeah. I hurried up and put on the pants suit. I was so excited. <laughs> like, yes. It feels good to be a bench member, doesn't it? It feels oh, great to be a bench member. I'm taking my time. Uh -uh. <laughs> At this point in my Christianity and my walk with God, I am just like, I had got burnt out. Because even after my divorce, and I heard you mention this last week, I tried to stay in my church. You too? I tried to stay. I did. And I, when we announced to the church that we were getting divorced, it was, <laughs> nobody knew we were having the problems we were having, but you and your husband at the time. Right. That was the only time I was able to be me is when I was around you. Yeah. Same here. Yep. So nobody knew that we were experiencing what we were experiencing, but you. Yeah. And when we announced it, it was a. <gasps> and I told them, I love this church. I was a founding member. I want to see where the church can grow. And not only that, I was financially tied to the church because I have purchased the church. Girl. I purchased the church. I don't know how we came about the building or whatever, but the church was in my name at one point. And it was not only at that point, at the point of the divorce, it was a real estate investment, pretty right. much. I was just about to say, you at the poorhouse not only divorcing, 
your husband, but also trying to figure out who's going to take over a church that you can't make yourself go into because of who's the pastor of it. And that's where I was, like I said last week, if I could have divorced him and kept the church, I would have. Because I like the people that were in there, I like the relationships that I formed. But when you go to church every week and you try your best to talk the devil from causing you to go and shake the past, it's time for you to go. Yes. I didn't get the opportunity like you to tell the church. He told them only because I came to the church that morning with some questions about something I had found out. It's all in the book underneath the hands. That's when he decided to give his Oscar speech and tell the church that we had divorced two months after we had already divorced. So, yeah, I couldn't have gone back in there even if I wanted to. And with I him, think your divorce hurt me more than it hurt you. My divorce hurt everybody. <laughs> it, it really hurt me. <laughs> like that. I heard so many people tell us, or tell me, you all were the relationship that we looked up to. And it all goes back to that saying, everything that glitters is not good. Well, I, I always felt that you were better at it because you know how to control your tongue. Yeah. I may control my tongue, but my face is going to tell it if my mouth is going to I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. this instance in the church where that lady came and wanted prayer. Is that the time we were sitting there with our gloves on? Yes, and the lady raised her hands and didn't have no, you know, undergarments yeah. on. So, mm -hmm. you know, my mm -hmm. first thing was, what the hell? You know, exactly. in the church, what? I want him to pray for me, ma'am. We cannot pray for you. You need to go home. Like, what, what do we, where do we believe that coming to the church house unclothed is the way you to save him? How do you get this? Listen, I, I have been faced with so many challenges just in that short time mm -hmm. because if it came down to bad kids, the kids running in the church and I'm looking at them like you want to sit down. You know, I can't sit there and just, boy, go sit down. This church is going on. You know, I, I had no control. That there was no control of my actions, my face, and I knew that was a bad combination for being the first lady. But I never looked at myself as the first lady because I never felt that I was first. Mm, you better say that again. I, I never felt that I was first. And so when it comes to the preacher and his wife and the family, yeah. And I don't care how good of a man it is. It doesn't have nothing to do with uh, whether the, the minister cheats on you or whatever. The household always takes a back burner to the church. Yeah. yeah. And I can speak on that because my mother, like I said, she married a minister after she and my father had divorced. And some things of 
Joe's church would catch on fire all the time. They were constantly setting the church on fire. Mm-hmm. Joe would get up, and we all had to get up as if we were firemen. Like, we could go put the flames out. You know, we're running down the street, and luckily the church was right behind our house. But right. we had to go. Okay, y'all, come on now. So now the church didn't caught on fire this time. Now we back in there. We got to paint. Forget whatever plans you have. The church always just comes first. And it's okay. God is supposed to come first in our life. The building is just a building. I get it. But no matter what role you play in the minister's life, the church is always going to come first. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, my ex-husband had told me once, he said, if I, if I had to choose between you being sick and a member of the church being sick, I would have to leave you in the hands of the Lord and go see about their members. That should have been a red flag there. Right. Foolishness that we spew out of our mouth. Huh? I say the the foolishness that would spew out of your mouth to say that to your bride. Because now you're supposed to be our providers. You're supposed to be our protectors. We're putting everything in you and you're going to tell me you're going to leave me for sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, deacon, whoever. But that's what exactly happened to me. I got pushed to the side yep. for the members, you know, and it, it, it's sad. And the fact that I'm not shocked by that just goes to show you the mentality that he and my husband was on at the time. Birds of a feather flock together. It's all and it's, it's saddened me because I stopped talking to you because I divorced my husband because of the taboo of single women shouldn't be mm-hmm. married couples and then especially with you being a preacher's wife. Yeah. Knowing we weren't in the same circles, knowing and especially as a flamboyant as his now wife, I guess they're still married, is and how she was coming around and putting herself, oh, I'm sister. <laughs> Knowing yeah. that those people didn't know her, I needed to stay away. Yeah. And I needed to stay away because I didn't want to tarnish what your members or your fellowships or friendships might think of you being associated with me. Yeah. Because looking back on it, I could have handled situations a little bit better than how I did. But at the time, the way I handled them was warranted. Yeah. But as a mature lady. Yeah. I always think back. You were you were you said and did things that I always wanted to say. But I wasn't there yet as far as my courage to say it. And you knew who my ex-husband was, it wasn't gonna fly. Okay. So who I had to be the big mouth was because he was so over the top, so extravagant. So much of an extrovert that I had to balance him out. But everything you said and everything you did, I was like, thank God I wish I could. Because they were truly a blessing and a curse. It, it can be a blessing and a curse. And I'm still learning to this day to keep my mouth closed. I, I am learning to pick and choose my battles as yeah. I've gotten older and a little wiser. I, I know. I pray more for mm-hmm. what I want to let God deal with you versus me dealing with you. 
Yeah, because me dealing with you, I can tell you where to go, how to get there, what time to get off, but that doesn't solve anything. Yeah. So would you say that's been your lesson, one of your lessons in going That would this? be my lesson. Yes. I am much wiser and I know what not only do I know my worth now, mm-hmm. I know what's worth being bothered with now as well. Yeah. Yeah. I approach relationships differently, whether they be of uh intimate kind as far as dating. Because the first thing I stated, I want Lord, give me a man on a bar stool. I don't want another preacher, I don't want a deacon, I don't want nobody saved because at least I know this bar school man is a bar school man. Girl. When you get a Christian man, you don't know what front they're putting up. <laughs> and it is it's so strange because I'm attracted to a minister, though I don't want one. It's the arrogance of them, the way they carry themselves, the way they dress, the way they talk. An articulate man is just something. Yeah. And I, I, get, I get why women think, oh, let me get him, let me get him, let me move. You know, but then I had to think back. Clay Evans, how often did you see his wife? Barely. You know, when you when you see the greats, you know, the heavy hitters in town, where were they wild? You, you didn't see them. They, they didn't make too much noise, you know, but I, I love to see it's the way they walk into the pulpit and they so proud and their chest is out and, and don't let them really be in, preached real good. Let it be one of those sermons that they really hit home. Yeah. You know, because then when you, you oh, God, don't let it be a Sunday. And I, I don't know where you were, but we were on the west side mm-hmm. and we were visiting and we visited for Sunday school. Sunday school was how they did a baptism. The spirit was straight up high. And he preached that morning. Okay. He preached so so he shouted out his coat and running around the church doing laps. Then he had some members of the other church join him, which this one particular mother ended up being a pain in my side. But she's chasing him now because she done felt the spirit. So they everybody just running around the church. Oh, hallelujah. Right. Get home. Baby, I did thank the Lord really moved. It was a good day, you know, the peaceful night that night, you know. It was good. But let it be between the first and the fifteenth before the rent was paid, for the people that in our properties paid their rent when he didn't know if we were gonna be able to make the mortgage on the church or things were gonna happen away. Oh, it was like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the service didn't go the way he thought, oh you guys didn't start at three o'clock. At three o'clock, I want you to start singing. It didn't matter if we started at 305 or 310, the same 12 people were going to show up anyway. <laughs> you know, we, we, but again, it's my fault the 12 people don't show up on time because I just started singing on time. You know, uh, when Lahey, we tried to get Lahey in the church and the different programs and reaching out to the community. And then, you know, my minister's wives group, that was an experience. You know, dealing with the older ladies and I want to say, God forbid, I think I have the ladies in the group divorced. So I think we were doomed from the beginning. 
But and that's why I wanted to do this because, um, like I told everyone last week, I am in. I'm at a point in my life now where after going through what I went through and writing out my story in my book and sharing my testimony with other people, I realized that my testimony was a breakthrough for other people. But if I had not opened my mouth and said something, then I don't know where those people would be. And I realized by sharing my story and talking to other women that there were some mistakes that I made that I could have avoided if we would have just had a conversation. So I wanted to do this so that people could share their hurts and talk through them. Because sometimes it's all you need is somebody to listen and for you to have an avenue to be able to share. And I know people can't afford therapy. People don't all believe in God. People don't have someone that they can talk to. But just to hear someone else's story and see themselves in it and then to hear how they overcame it can be enough to get them through another day. So that's why I wanted to do this. It's so that everyone who does not have someone that they can talk to can see this, these episodes and know I'm not the only one that's going through it. And I can make it over because our Lisa did, because Sharifi. So Definitely. I want to thank you for coming and sharing. But before we wrap up, you mentioned your um, Preacher's Wives group. And from that group, I know that there were moments where you got advice from the women where they worked or not. So what would be some advice that you would give any new first ladies or preacher's wives as they step into or continue to be in that in that role in the church? I think what I have seen uh, when it comes to uh, for lack of a better term, the modern day preacher's wife. Uh, now, I find that we have a lot of traditional churches who are now seeking younger pastors because the older ministers are now retiring or they have gone out of the Lord. You have to know your audience and you have to know your place because even though your husband or fiance may be going for the church, you're going for the church too. And though we may be a part of the group that doesn't wear hats or we want to wear leather or in my case, I love stilettos, I want heels, uh, things like that. You have to know your audience and you have to for lack of a better term, fake it till you make it or even face it till you make it because you'll have more of a draw on your husband's ministry than he will. Mm -hmm. And I've seen new first ladies or those who are um, what is the technical term when they go out for churches? Like, is, is it auditioning or what is the technical term? Uh, well, what was that? Um, What's the campaign? Well, candidate, candidate. Yeah. candidate. Well, you're a candidate. Yeah. yeah. See how long ago it's been since I've been in that yeah. life. <laughs> but when you're a candidate, they're looking at you as well as him. And though we might not want to wear the suit or put on the hat, you have to put yourself out there in the same manner. And I don't think 
a lot of ministers nowadays are even expressing that to the women they're with because I see some preacher's wives who I've encountered lately and I'm like I barely made it in y'all really not gonna get there and not that you want to be judgy but I want to pull them to the side and help them a little bit because you know, I don't want the hurt that I experienced to happen to anybody else Yeah, and I never thought that I was an inappropriate dresser or still don't feel that I dress inappropriately for church but the battle I had with the lady, you know, at the time, my husband, he was a Kojic preacher. Mm -hmm. And so we would go, he would preach in different Kojic churches, and they're covering me up, and I'm wrestling with the usher, like, hey, I'm not dressed inappropriately here. What's going on? You know, oh, the way you cross your legs, ma'am, my legs are crossed at the ankles. Is there another white person? You know, you have to think about these things, and I think they should be self-aware. Mm -hmm. and they should be church aware and spiritually aware so that would be my advice to the new first lady um, and get a solid group of women who you could talk to please please because even some of these preachers wives that you may encounter though they may be friends with your husband you may not get along with their wife right you need to be able to have a, a person you can go to and in the church, they could be friends that you had before you became first lady. I'm still friends with people that I met when I first started. Um, when I first got married, my first time, and I'm still friends with them today. Sometimes you need an unbiased opinion, someone who's not in the group or in the circle. They can tell you things that someone else may give you their perspective because they're in the same pool as you. So you sometimes need someone that's not in that pool. But Arlisa was definitely the person I could talk to. Him like, look, uh, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> well, so you are my balance. You are my softer side. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you are the sunshine and I was the cloud. And right. It worked. And we could go into places and the, the thing about it is, and this is why I say you encourage me so. When my situation happened, in my mind, I had three books I wanted to write. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could do this, you know, and then professionally, but I've been so busy trying to be everything he told me I couldn't that I ain't had time to write the book. Yeah. Haven't had time to do a podcast and you know I can run my mouth all day long. I got literally butterflies when I pulled up in front of my house because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to say the same thing she said last week, but our stories are so similar. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe that it happened that way. And when you know I heard your story when I came to your house that day, I'm telling you, I I died a little bit on the inside because I'm like, not you. Like how come you couldn't make it? I stayed away so you could make it. You know, like, if this was going to be the end result, I could have had my friend the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't feel like I lost the friendship, though we don't see each other every day or even talk every day. I still count you a friend, and it's not many people that I'm just going to call friend. Yeah. But I 
so proud of you, your accomplishments, your relationship. I love it. I find joy and pleasure in it. I am so happy for you. And I understand the level of happiness because I now have it. Yes. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to be loved and for somebody to love you just for you. Yeah. And we can go to church and we can worship together. And I'm telling you, my worship with this man is nothing like the worship experience I had with the man of God. So yeah. that lets me know that this man that I have is truly the man of God. The, the, the spirit is in my household. We can talk about things and he'll pray for me. He'll tell me when I'm wrong. I can't tell you one time that my husband prayed for me. Mm. I, I cannot. Now, did he buy me things? Absolutely. He bought me everything money could buy. Mm -hmm. Cars and clothes, but at the end of the day, I didn't have him. And he did mm -hmm. that for other people, and that was the problem. Yeah. He was taking care of everybody's household but my own. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that this has been encouraging. I hope that somebody gets delivered from whatever chain may be holding them. I hope that there is some type of peace. And so just know that you may not be the first person that's been cheated on. You're not going to be the last. And if I come through it, if you come through it, they can come through it too. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. I truly appreciate you. And so before we wrap, um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, next week, we're going to have another woman who is a former preacher's wife. She's going to share her story. And we're going to continue on with this Church Hurt series because there are so many people who have been hurt within the walls of the church and need to be healed so that they can move forward and have the relationship that Arlisa and I both have now with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, I wanna thank you all so much. If you would like to share your story, we're gonna be talking about school hurt, work hurts, family hurts, love hurts. If at any time you wanna share your story with me, just email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com and we would love to hear your story because remember, your testimony can be someone else's breakthrough. Also, make sure that you check out my book, Underneath the Hat. It's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Again, I want to thank you all so much for being here. And like I always say when I end my show, remember to take care of yourself underneath the hat. Again, thank you all. And I'll see you next week.